This is Residence 104.4 FM, and I'm Nick Hennigan. How you doing? Hey, good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, this is Literary London, and uh, we're going back to Chiswick. Oh, yes. Allegedly one of the most literary places in London. You'll find out more later, talking to the man who arranged the Chiswick Book Festival. Um, I got a lot of material from there. It happened a month ago, but there's still quite a big online presence. But it was interesting. I spoke to a couple of authors, both of whom were theatricals, uh, worked in the theatre business, and both of whom had been pretty radically and dramatically affected by the lockdown for the COVID uh, outbreak. It motivated both of them to actually pull some stuff out of a drawer, and they now both have books published. So I thought, we'll go back and have a chat with them. Here they are. Let me just reach this over here, because I'm now with another author, uh, John Griffiths, who uh, you may have heard, well, you would have heard already on the show, doing his two-minute uh, wrap-up of, of, of his book. Uh, you managed to avoid the horn, I think. I know, I was desperately nervous. I, I practised and practised, so I got it down to one minute, 50 seconds. So I knew if I am Denard, or suddenly dried... I still had 10 seconds grace. It looks as if you'd memorised it as well. I did memorise it. That's an act. It's very hard, though, when you've written something yourself. You'd think that would be easy. But honestly, give me a Shakespeare speech to learn any day <laughs> than some, some terrible... So tell us, tell us about the book. It's called The Right Escape. Well, as, as I said in my pitch, you know, it, it, it was one of the saddest days of my 43 years as a thespian. Uh, to have that sudden you know everything stopping suddenly and not knowing what was going to to follow it was extraordinary this was the literally the night almost literally when when the, the prime um, minister said something like theaters could stay open but don't go to the theater yes, the week before exactly exactly so, and what were you working on at the time on the mousetrap we? we were touring it and we were at the waterside in aylesbury and we had less than an hour in fact and i i was actually because i was the resident director on it as well as appearing in it so I was sorting out the lighting because uh, I won't give too much about the plot away um, but it's vital that there's a very good blackout at the end of act one otherwise the cat will be let out of the bag so um, I was tinkering with this and suddenly there's a tap on my shoulder and the theatre manager says, don't worry, John, we've just had a directive from above. There'll be no show in this or any other theatre tonight. That's it. And going back into the theatre the following day and clearing out all my accoutrement of touring, you know, from the dressing room, was really sad. And, and right early on in the book, I record a little conversation with the stage doorkeeper, you know, and we're just saying, well, take care hopefully see you again. Uh, not, of course, not knowing when, really. Not knowing when. And we were about to launch on a really lovely part of the tour. We were going to Ireland, Scotland, and actually, rather poignantly, my hometown in Swansea, we were going uh, in July. So it all went by the wayside. Um, but it's actually written the book, kept me sane, kept me occupied. And I look back now and think, well, 2020 wasn't a complete write-off because I wrote the book. So did you kind of wake up the next morning and think, I've just got to do something about it? No, it wasn't as quick as that. Having been out on the road for 18 months, um, 
You know, there was lots of stuff around the house and garden to sort out. And then after a while, I thought, well, this is sort of empty now. What, what do I do spiritually, creatively? Um, and I'd had a very religious upbringing, and I thought, I'd never read the book of Psalms from beginning to end. I'll read a psalm every day, and that was an inspiration. And I started reading a prayer every day, because that seemed the right sort of thing to do. And a wonderful anthology, a poem for every day of the year. And a friend actually sent me the companion to that, a poem for every night of the year. So I was actually reading two poems a day. So I hadn't written poetry since I was an adolescent. So I started writing poetry as well. And just doing, Facebook was something I'd hardly ever used before. Um, but I posted blogs every day on Facebook and after a while people said, you know, this would really make an interesting book because it's a moment of history that we're all part of. It'll be a very good record to look back on. Had you written before? I've written um, shows for performance. I've written a couple of um, one-man shows. And here in Chiswick, actually, I did my first one-man show was the Gospel of John in the King James Bible, which I adapted. Um, and I did it at St. Michael's and All Angels twice, actually. And Torin Douglas, who's organized this festival, actually did all the marketing for that. And so I got full houses at the church. Um, with Father so, Kevin. With Father Kevin. Uh, the legendary Father, Father Kevin, who's not here tonight. Um, so yeah, so I had written before, but only for performance. It's quite different writing something that, that people are going to engage with, to read. But it was fascinating to do, I really loved it. And how long did you write it for? Well, I started doing the blogs almost immediately, really, in mid to late March, um, and kept on till September, and then thought, I can't keep, because some days it was taking me five or six hours to write a complicated piece. I thought I can't do both. I can't carry on doing the blog and writing the book because I've got to put it into some sort of shape and write an introduction, write a conclusion. So I, it goes from the Ides of March to the Ides of September, which seemed the right time to wind up. Uh, so then when I was putting it together, I set myself the target. And now I think that's rather modest target knowing how many words a day Enid Blyton used to write but I wrote a thousand words a day which for someone you know who's an amateur at it was was quite good that was quite a challenge um, but it was it was great fun to do and the marketing of it sorting out copyright poets that I quoted from uh, collaborating with the illustrator it's great I mean I've been in touch with so many people I mean ex-pupils of mine have been in touch with me on Facebook because I used to teach before I became an actor. Oh, right, okay, oh, right, okay yeah. I mean, did, did it sort of, so it's obviously been, a, in a sense, you could say <laughs> lockdown's been quite good in one sense because this might probably have never happened had you carried no, on with the term. No, it never would have happened. Um, you know, financially it was a disaster because, you know, it's a well-paid job and we should have gone on until November. Um, but no, it's, it's been a great time to reflect and to really think about what's important in life. And language is certainly important and friendship, um, which was, you know, at the beginning, you were denied that almost. 
And how did you find kind of putting you on the page, looking for your emotions and how you felt? Was that sometimes good, sometimes bad? Yes, I'm, I'm a quite a private person, I suppose, and I, I suppose things are revealed about me through the book. But I wrote about all sorts of subjects, you know, sports reports of something exciting had happened, anniversaries, conversations I overheard on my walks, special anniversaries, obituaries, sadly, Vera Lynn, um, Ian Holm, just a couple that I wrote about. Things that really I was interested in. And also I'm a great foodie, so I knew I was going to do a lot of cooking. Um, so the central part of the book, because I grew lots of stuff in the garden, so I started writing about the joy of a tomato and asparagus and beetroot and rhubarb. And, um, and people seem to love that. Yes, it's very interesting. I mean, Michael Palin always says, because he's a famous, you know, the Monty Python, mm -hmm. Michael Palin, famous diarist. He always says, I occasionally will do the diary because he's been keeping one for years and years. I do it before I start work at nine and I will put down sometimes what I've had for breakfast. And some on social media people often go, we well, don't want to know what you had for breakfast. And Michael Palin makes the point. He says, if I, I bet, wouldn't you want to know what your great granddad had for breakfast? And he's absolutely right, of course, yeah. isn't he? It can be really boring, but sometimes it's really quite interesting. And all the recipes in, in my book, I've got a story, so there's always an anecdote and there's outrageous name dropping. But funnily enough, and I remedy this, in, I'm, I'm going to do the Welsh launch, because I'm from Swansea originally, at uh, the Dylan Thomas Theatre this coming Saturday, Saturday the 11th, a significant date. I'm going to mention, obviously, the Twin Towers. Um, that. Um, I've lost my thread. Dylan Thomas. I'm talking Dylan about Thomas the, 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 yes. Uh, um, and about the recipes. Yes. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Dylan Thomas anyway. I do. I wrote a thing called the London Literary Pub Crawl, and Dylan Thomas features quite heavily in that because, of course, he met his wife in London at That's the right, uh, uh, yeah, the Witchy Pub. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. There's a wonderful book by Jeff Towns actually. Do you know the? I do. Yes. The yes. pub. We do, well, again, on LondonLiteraryPubCrawl.com, there's a website and we talk a lot to Dylan's family and, yeah. uh, and his, his son-in-law and, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, and his time in London. In fact, I've half, I've two-thirds of a play called The Roaring Boys. But I won't bore you with that. I spent no, the top, no. During the wartime. He, he, did, he, did, he was here in Chiswick, wasn't he? For, yes. During yeah. the war for a while. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. And, he, and Hammersmith as well. He, he was good at sofa surfing, I think they called it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, so now you've done this. I mean, what's the next? Are you going to do another one? Well, um, I'm desperate to get back to theatre, really. Uh, I've lost my agent. She, she gave up and she's become a funeral celebrant. Wow, yeah. Her husband was in PA. He's now makes stained glass. Uh, you know, we're all trying to do diversify, really, to do other things. But I mean, theatre is my first love. Yes. But you know, I might write another book. I'm certainly exploring poetry. Um, I, I, I'm fascinated with haikus. So quite a few haikus in the book. Those are the very short, yes. uh, 17 syllables. It's quite a discipline, yeah. But great fun. It's all been fun, really. That's, that's the main thing that it's been. And there wasn't a lot of fun about, was there? No, certainly not in the theatre industry. Oh, brilliant. Well, the book again is called The Right Escape. 
um, and uh, it's uh, by John Griffiths, illustrated by David uh, Palmer. I can't David Palmer. Yes. Um, and uh, available at, well at Waterstones and other good bookshops. Waterstones or through any bookshop or Troubadour. Um, yes. And uh, I'm off to sign 50 copies that have been sold down in Swansea on the weekend. Oh, that'll be fabulous. I know another Welsh actor called Guy Masterson who actually... Oh, I know Guy, yes, oh, yes. I, I wrote a version of Christmas Carol and directed him in it. Oh, <laughs> yes. right. So he's, he gets very Welsh whenever he gets near. Yes, <laughs> that's right, yeah. I'm doing the London launch at the Questers Theatre, because I'm still a member of Questers, on the 4th of October. That's in Ealing, isn't it? In Ealing, yeah. yeah. But they're sort of like this, their interviews and then Q&A followed by book signing. Brilliant. And have you got a website or is it just a bookshop? Yes, there's a website um, which is uh, I don't think it's on the back of that one. Troubadour.co.uk Yes, and I'm www.therightescape.com but you put a hyphen between the right and escape. Yeah, so it's so the hyphen right hyphen escape. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, and you've almost run out of beer. Thank you very much. I suppose we should better go wet the whistle. <laughs> Absolutely, it's thirsty work. <laughs> thank this. you very much, John. <laughs> thank you. I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Residence 104.4 FM, also on BohemianBritain.com, and uh, I'm still at the Chiswick Book Festival. I've managed to drag grab. <laughs> Whole drag of, of, of <laughs> Nick Bromley, who actually, you know, full disclosure, we've met a few times before, haven't we? We have indeed. We Usually. have indeed, sir. Usually in the pub. Oh, also, or even on the outskirts of Chiswick, yes. in Hammersmith Mall, oh, where the where the Hammersmith Ghost is known to lurk. Well, and of course, the reason that you're here today, we've heard a bit of you on stage during the oh, presentation. Yes. yes, is your book. It's called Stage Ghosts and Haunted Theatres. So I love the fact you've got a forward by Richard O'Brien, who's probably best known for the Rocky Horror Show. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, so, Richard, Richard and I worked together on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and he played the the, the child catcher. He was a one, the original child catcher. He was absolutely superb because we played it at the Palladium, and the highlight of his character, as it was was to be hoisted on a rope from the stage right up through the auditorium and out of the roof. And it was a spectacular exit. And uh, anyway, Richard, Richard was wonderful and um, I got in touch with him and he said, oh yes, of course, my dear boy. Because <laughs> he's, he's in New Zealand at the moment. And um, he, 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 wrote, he wrote the foreword for me. So tell us about the book then. So, and you, you were, what did you do in theatre? Or what did you do in theatre? Well, um, I am, I am, I say am rather than was, uh, being an optimist, I am a, a, a company company manager, which means that I, I I'm look after the actors and all the... I, I'm a pastoral carer, if you like. In, 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 in modern terminology, uh, old terminology, I kick them up the arse. But anyway, you know, and uh, look after them all. And um, that's, that's my, my role, is to look after a company and be able to represent the management through thick and thin. Yes. 
the producer's representative on the road, as they sometimes call it. The producer's representative on the road, yes. yes. Uh, you're also a very good one as well, because people have always said very good things about the well, job that you do. So I, what, I what, pay them. That's one of the advantages, you see, of a company manager. <laughs> you hand out the wages, yes, you see. Yes. The ghost walks. Yes, and there he is, the company manager, with a, an old envelope in my hand. And I, Pass it out and give it to them. They love that. Everyone loves it. Every Thursday nights, was it Friday mornings? Friday mornings it used to be, didn't it? Yes, yes. So, so, what, so what got you, what made you decide to write a book in the first place? Well, um, I've been collecting, ever since I started in the theatre, I've been collecting stories throughout my career of hauntings, in the, specifically in the theatre. And... I must admit, it's, it's about 10 years ago, I thought I'll put them all together. I did and put them to bed. And then with the onset of this disease we will not talk about, and by that, ladies and gentlemen, I mean COVID, um, <laughs> um, I, um, I, I, I pulled out the bottom drawer, found the stories, did a lot more research, spoke to many more people, and put together this book. So it is, a, it is a collection of stories which I myself believe in. Stories which not only one person, but several, but on, in a, on occasions, several people can report the same experience. And I have believed the story, so I've included it in the book, including my own, my own experiences. So you believe in ghosts? Oh, absolutely. And how many ghosts are in the book? Because it's quite well, comprehensive. Uh, there are 50 theatres, and I would say, without counting them up, <laughs> uh, I would have thought about 200. Wow, brilliant. 200, so, two to 300. And so if you had to, I guess it's like choosing your favourite child. If you had to, what's your favourite ghost? My, I think my favourite ghost... Oh... I think my favourite ghost has to be Joey Grimaldi because he helps people on stage at Drury Lane. He's been known... Um, I myself was only... I've only experienced... And this sounds disgusting, but I've only experienced Dan Leno because he, he in fact, pushed me out of the way once at Drury Lane. Because I was in his, I was in the way of him entering the stage. But Grimaldi, say you were on stage and you were slightly too far up stage, as it were, or in the wrong position, he would, he has been known to very gently, a hand has been known to, not to one people, but to many people, one person, to be, to turn, to turn them round and get them in the position for the lights, for the scene, to their best advantage. Um, and what, what did he do before he died, as he were? <laughs> How long well, has he been dead for? Well, I'm afraid he's been dead for, for a long, long time. Uh, he died, and I don't have the exact date of his death, but he must have died in 18... 1830, 1830. His last performance was at the Lane. And was he an actor? He, he, was, he was the first... You, you know how clowns are called Joeys? Yeah. It's after Joey Grimaldi. He was the great clown of the Regency Theatre. He could run from Drury Lane 
to Cov- to um, Sadler's Wells. Uh, he did two dates a night, and he would run from run back and forth. Took him eight minutes. <laughs> now legs of steel. He was known for his legs of steel, and he just had a he had a persona. He was adored. He was the he was the star of London theatre when it came to comedy. Uh, absolutely adored. But he wore it out. He wore himself out because he would he would do pratfalls. He'd do all. He was a he was a an amazing acrobat, but at colossal cost to himself. So, on his last performance, which was at Drury Lane, um, he was no more than 42. He had to be carried on stage. Wow. Because he was so crippled. So crippled. Like like a, you know, like a rugby player or a footballer. Crippled. Crippled. And have you got a least, have you got a least favourite ghost? Because Grimaldi sounds fantastic. Well, I, I think one of the least favourite ghosts has to be uh, the ghost of someone at the Apollo Victoria. Um, only because he's almost scared a man to death. But that's in the book. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, brilliant. Dun. And have you got, have you got a favourite? So you, you presumably work a lot of theatres, not just in the West End, but around the country. Outside of ghosts, because you've written another book, haven't you? Yes. Stupid uh, superstition. Theatre Law, yeah. which is an A to Z, a, a dictionary of, of theatrical terminology. Um, it's, it's, it's true, but uh, all, the st- all, all the explanations are true, but they may not be too, too correct. <laughs> I mean, there's certainly, I know, I mean, having done a bit of theatre myself, there are certain superstitions, you know, oh, yes. mentioning the Scottish play. Oh, and yes. Oh, whistling yes. backstage and things yes. like that. Yes, whistling. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're completely, are they st- is that still the case now, do you think? Is that still the case? I, I, I don't think so much, because I don't think that people have the same knowledge which they used to have, because nowadays it, it's a much larger profession. So the the, um, the, the, the the smaller, a lot of the smaller theatres have gone. Yes. A lot of the people don't stay in the business so long. So the traditions are not not so often carried on. Yes, that's the word of mouth yeah. gone. So I think that several of the superstitions probably have gone because people are ignorant of them. Yeah, but you've you've documented many of them now, so it's there. There in black and white. Yes. So, and uh, are you working on a show at the moment? Uh, well, I mean, I'm no. going to. I, w- I will be soon. Um, in in the autumn, and I'm uh, working on a book at the moment. Oh, what's that going to um, be? It's 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 a turn of the century. Last century, I hasten to add. <laughs> yes. Last century. So it's 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 19. It starts in 1920. And, and if yeah. it gets much longer, it'll go on to the 20th century. <laughs> and is that, Needs is that a lot a of pruning. Is it a novel? Or it's a novel. It's oh, a novel. Well, yes. be, well so. your current book is called Stage Ghosts and Haunted Theatres by Nick Bromley, with a foreword by Richard O'Brien. Um, and it's available in all good bookshops, do in they say? In all good bookshops, online. Yes, you've got a um, website as well, haven't you? Uh, it has a website. L, L for Lucky. In fact, it stands for Last Night's Production. L npbooks.co.uk 
Brilliant. And it's also available on the that site we do not mention. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's available. I know, I've got my copy anyway. So, thank you, Nick. I'm going to spin around now three times, spit and name the devil. Thank you. Oh, oh, you vanished. You vanished. <laughs> <laughs> There's no business like show business. Like no business I know Everything about it is appealing Everything the traffic will allow Nowhere can you get that happy feeling When you are stealing that extra bar There's no people like show people They smile when they are low Yesterday they told you you would not go far That night you opened and there you are Next day on your dressing room, they've hung a star. Let's go on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I am Colonel Buffalo Bill Cody, the owner and founder of the most famous Wild West show on earth. You are now going to see my own personal version of the tempestuous and romantic story of Annie Oakley and Frank Butler. Here's a handsome and dashing leading man, Mr. Frank Butler! There's no business like show business, like no business I know. How you were accusing half the night off, waiting till the morning papers came. What a moment when your face would light up To see the write-up and find your name Here's Frank Butler's fearless assistant, the lovely Miss Dolly Tate The costumes, the scenery, the makeup, the props The audience that lifts you when you're down The headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops The sheriff who escorts you out of town The opening when your heart beats like a drum the closing when the customers don't come There's no business like show Business like no business I know Everything inside just starts to shake off When your picture in the news appears And the thrillish morning when you wake up With dogs of makeup behind your ears There's no people like show Team of Keeler and Tate. There's no business.
Radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk Radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk I'll see you next time. I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Literary London on Resonance 104.4 FM.